Hi, everybody. Welcome to the January 3rd, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Nizzuti. Happy New Year. Thank you very much for joining us for our special look at the year ahead in 2020. We dressed in our finest holiday sweaters last week, so tonight we thought we'd try to look a little festive for the new year. Let's start off the show by providing the one word or phrase that you think will best describe 2020 this time, a year from now. Patty Calhoun from Westward, your one word or phrase for what we expect out of 2020. I'm taking the same one I used last week, which is impeachable. It's going to go on and there's going to be plenty of bad behavior. Multiple episodes of this new reality show we were living in. Joey Bunch, Deputy Managing Editor of Colorado Politics, replete with a top hat, which is so choice. Uh, your word or phrase for 2020. Sea change. We'll see it at the state capitol. We'll see it in Washington, D.C. Sea change it is. Okay. Eric Sondman, political analyst and a weekly columnist at uh, Colorado Politics. Your one word or phrase for 2020. Phrase, uh, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. <laughs> And if you're in Vegas, bet the second half of that equation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Natasha Gardner, articles at 5280, our, uh, our diehard optimist. Uh, where are you going with your one-word or phrase for 2020? Okay, well, I will try to live up to that a little bit. I think we're going to get clarity this year. For four years, people have been, no matter what side you're on, saying that they're making lots of statements about what is and what isn't. I think we're going to get some answers come November. Getting some answers. Again, living up to the optimist uh, title. Very well done. 2020 will be dominated by the November election. Let's start at the top of the ticket in Colorado. We may not know which Democrat will be the nominee to run against President Trump, but the U.S. Senate race is a bit more clear. Andrew Romanoff is the remaining major name competing with John Hickenlooper for the nomination to run against Republican incumbent Senator Cory Gardner. Uh, Patty, as you look towards 2020, a, uh, does Ro did the Romanoff and Hickenlooper primary last into the primary? And is, uh, who is going to face Gardner as we get into November? Well, Romanoff is not going to give up. Hickenlooper is not going to give up at this point. So we will go all the way to a primary, and I think Hickenlooper will take it. It's fascinating to think about what we were talking about a year ago at this time when Hickenlooper was still running for president, when Michael Bennett wasn't yet running for president, and just how the political world has shifted. I don't see it shifting enough for Romanoff to take the top billing. But don't forget, we also have some other candidates still in that race. We've got like almost a half dozen still running. So there could be some votes taken away, but I think they might come away from Romanoff more. Joey, uh, looking at the top of the ticket, um, you walk into an election year and the top of the ticket is going to be an anchor or an albatross one way or the other. And in this case, Colorado has split its tickets before. We've had, I, I'm probably going to script the actual years, but I know what, the state has gone one way for president, the other way for a senator or significant representatives, things like that. How do you think it's going to play out for 2020, seeing where Colorado was at just two years from a pretty big blue wave that was you know, a blue wave for the entire nation? Well, you know, they have split the ticket before. That's how Cory Gardner got to Washington. You know, we elected John Hickenlooper governor when we uh, reelected John Hickenlooper governor when we elected Cory Gardner in 2014. You know, um, 
I think that we've got a lot of questions to answer before we get to November. The Democrats, what happens in November is going to have a lot to do with how the Democrats handle the next few months. You know, their party is fractured. You know, they can't they can't go after Gardner until they get through going after each other. You know, I look for this to be really a race between uh, Romanoff and Hickenlooper, but it's hard to, to look at that race and not remember this was supposed to be the party that was going to uh, to embrace the opportunities for women. We've had a lot of qualified women in that race, and none of them have been given a full opportunity. Shame on Democrats for that. Eric, when we were at this, uh, I mean, remember talking about this table uh, six years ago, Cory Gardner was, he cleared the field in the Republican primary uh, that was going to compete with him. So he was able to get through that pretty clean. But he's up against an incumbent at Mark Udall that I don't think a whole lot of people saw as vulnerable. It was probably a, a decent Republican year, but it wasn't as Udall, it's not the way people look at Gardner right now. And Gardner found a way to thread that needle. He looked like a Democrat in the ads. He stood by the windmill. Him and his kids, the, the blue shirt rolled up. He was always smiling. He, and Udall was always in a suit and dower, and he looked like the Republican. It was at a typecast, and they reversed. And Gardner was able to pull off a win of less than two points. He still squeaked through. If you're betting your money on uh, this November in 2020, are you betting on his ability to thread that needle again? Uh, or was that a one-time shot six years ago? Needles are hard to thread, Dominic, and they're really hard to thread uh, a second time. Everything you said about 2014 is correct, and there's one extra factor, which was nationally it was a good Republican year. It was the best Republican year there's been in a while. It was the final off-year election in Barack Obama's presidency. A couple things have happened since 2014. The state, which was trending in a blue direction, has become significantly more blue uh, over the intervening years, and Donald Trump rode that escalator down and announced his candidacy for president and has become, particularly in a state like Colorado, an albatross on that Republican Party. To the Democratic side, I do think Andrew Romanoff has a distant, underscore the word distant, opportunity. He's trying to craft himself as a modern-day 50-year-old white Jewish Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and pull some kind of left-wing upset, upset the apple cart, throw out the establishment, and Hickenlooper is very much of an establishment figure. You know, maybe it is uh, all the cards, all the stars would have to line up right for that to work. Hickenlooper, it will not be a pretty campaign. This is not going to be jumping out of airplanes showering with your clothes on. This is not going to be a quirky campaign. I think for John Hickenlooper, to use a football metaphor, this is three yards and a cloud of dust. This is just straight ahead, grinded out politics. But ultimately, I think he will grind it out. I think this primary will look a lot like the Bennett uh, Romanoff primary back whatever year that was, 2010, I believe. Uh, and Bennett ultimately won that handily. I would assume Hickenlooper wins this more handily. Cory Gardner, he's up against it come November. His hope, I mean, his fondest wish is that the Democrats go crazy here and that he gets to run against a Bernie Sanders, Andrew Romanoff kind of ticket. And if that happens, yes, he's viable. But if the Democrats go mainstream, Cory Gardner's up against it. Uh, Natasha, one of my favorite examples of primary friendly fire uh, in the legacy of Colorado politics was the the uh, first run that Senator Wayne Allard was running for Senate and uh, up against Tom Strickland. And Dick Wadhams running Allard's campaign just 
bludgeoned Tom Strickland with the term lawyer lobbyist. That was on every headline. It was just, just beat him with it to the point where it, it was in everybody's brain. But the lawyer lobbyist tag came from the primary that Strickland had with Gene Nickel. So a bitter primary gave the, the, the opponent uh, a great weapon to use, and it was used effectively. Do you think Romanoff, if he doesn't succeed in this upset bid, might do the very same thing, handing Gardner a club to bludgeon Hickenlooper with? Potentially, yes. And and I think that's going to happen not only in this race, but in any race. I mean, as we're seeing more and more record number of candidates um, entering um, the, these sort of races, no matter what, primaries are going to get a little bit more dirty than they have in the past, and that will always give more ammunition for whoever their opponent is in a general election. I think the big question, though, on all of this is not how messy it's going to get between Dems or, or who's going to be finally in the general election, but the big question of Trump, which has been the big question around this table for a very long time, and, and ultimately what happened because of December's impeachment hearings and what impact that's going to have on the, on, on the election. So if you were a candidate without a plan on what would happen if, what, if December's events hadn't occurred, you definitely spent your holiday break focusing on that because it's time to put that into action now. While the presidential and Senate races will capture a great deal of our attention, ballot issues are sure to make major, major headlines in Colorado in 2020. Among the issues we know will be on the ballot include a measure that would opt Colorado out of the National Popular Vote Compact, a measure that would change the Colorado Constitution wording stating that only citizens may vote, and other issues designed to appeal to either political base. Uh, Joey, well, the, you know, the big-ticket races get a lot of attention. We've got to pay attention to them. The ballot issues is where the fun is at. That's I think for for people I think like around this table really enjoy the the battle there. Uh, when you look at 2020, uh, how fun is it going to be? Well, you know these ballot measures that we know about right now, they're more about turnout than they are actually passing that ballot measure. You know, you look at the um, the citizen only voting. Uh, you know, that's that's to turn out conservative voters. Now, you know, conservative voters, I think Republicans are really concerned. That, that Republican voters in Colorado are just not going to be that motivated to go vote. They may not vote for a Democrat, but they may not vote at all. And that hurts Republicans up and down the ticket. So that's what they're trying to avoid. And, you know, what do, what do Democrats have? You know, they got the Republicans have national popular vote and immigration. What do we know from the Democrats so far? The wolf? The reintroduction of the gray wolf? Is that going to turn out Democratic voters? I don't think we've seen the last of the, uh, the ballot issues. I don't think we'll see a Tabor ballot measure next year because Proposition CC did so poorly. So I look for in the next two months, three months at the most, uh, for there to be a ballot initiative that will turn out liberal voters. Eric, uh, I've made uh, no bones about my preference of ballot issues for debates. They're more fun to produce. They're more fun to offer to all of you, our dear viewers. Uh, but it's the, the, the trend has changed over the years. Uh, the uh, late two, uh, the 2008, 2010, we would get almost over a dozen of these ballot issues. It was crazy land, the crazy land. They became more expensive. They became harder to actually pull off. We haven't had as many. Is 2020 going to be like the good old days, or is 2020 still going to be just a couple of ballot issues? I think it's going to be closer to the good old days uh, than, than not. Uh, I'm wondering if this might be the time for Joey and I to announce our resignation from this show, our resignation from Colorado politics, and the opening of our own consulting firm. Because there is so much money that's going to be spent on these ballot issues, um, maybe we ought to take a piece of that pie, Joey. But yeah. uh, uh, they don't have to pass; the checks just don't have to balance. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but in, in, a, in a serious vein, yes, it's the ones you listed in your question, Dominic, maybe headlined by the national popular vote, uh, which will be a battle royale. 
in all likelihood, an oil and gas measure. I'm not sure I'm with Joey on the Tabor thing. CC be damned. I think that a lot of forces on the hard left, unless Jared Polis can talk some sense to them, are coming with some kind of more wholesale, not a, maybe not a complete repeal, but a Tabor overall overhaul um, uh, proposal. Uh, there's going to be plenty of material here. My own prediction is that the state will go quite democratic as it has been in terms of candidates. But the conservative voice will be heard when it comes to ballot issues. The conservatives will win more than their share of the ballot issues while they lose most of the candidate races. Uh, Natasha, Eric brings up a good point. That's exactly what happened in uh, 2018 with you saw ballot issues uh, really go conservative with everybody running <laughs> as a, with a D behind their name winning. Uh, is it... it are we cynical to think that all the ballot issues are really just going to be about pulling out a political base? Well, I think what's interesting is a lot of them are written, as we've already discussed, with that intention in mind, to pull out a base, to get them to show up, which is why I'm actually intrigued by some that may not do that. And we mentioned Wolves a second ago. I think that would be a very interesting thing where it's not necessarily going to be Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. And it's not going to be the type of thing that brings people to, to send in their ballot or to go to the voting booth. But I think it's the type of thing that people are going to want to vote on. They're going to want to weigh in on. And there's something really sweet about that. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing in an election is actually picking things that you care about and not being so, you know, I.O., binary, literal about things. So I, I would like to see a few more options like that on, on, the, on the ballot come November. Patty, uh, wrap it up for us. What do you think we're going to see with the ballot issues and the overall effect for 2020? Well, on the not-so-sweet beat, <laughs> likely something on guns, and something on abortion. And that will bring out the left more than any other issue, even if it's put on by the conservatives. Colorado was the first state to legalize abortion for women. You talk about women having, women have had rights here much longer than they have in the rest of the country. First state to legalize the vote for the women, even though we can't seem to vote any women into the highest offices. But that will bring people out because this is bottom line, a state that believes in choice, not just on the issue of life, but on the issue of how you want to live your life. The 2020 legislative session will be the second of Governor Jared Polis's tenure and another where Democrats hold all the levers of power. Issues that should make the news will be a possible family, uh, paid family leave bill, transportation funding, and the continuing battle on oil and gas issues. Uh, Eric, the 2019 session was, uh, I think, characterized accurately with the Democrats putting the foot on the gas pedal and not letting go until we saw uh, the end of the session. But that's also a strategy that we've seen before on a non-election year. In 2020, are they going to just use the rest of the gas, the gas tank, be damned? Or now is it time for moderation? What do you see? Well, I think they're still inclined toward the gas pedal. I just don't know how many issues are left that they really need to address. They checked off so much of the wish list uh, in, in, during the 2019 session. I think the family paid medical leave bill is clearly a headliner this session. As you pointed out in your question, transportation will be discussed. I don't know if there's a resolution at hand. Obviously, the resolution requires significant cash. and. That cash under Tabor restraints is not just uh, sitting around waiting to be taken. But, you know, my question is even further out than 2020. You look at 2021, 22, or assuming Polis gets reelected, the out years, even if Democrats remain in control, where's the agenda? Because they did, I mean, they hit that gas pedal so hard 
during 2019, so many of those issues are presumably check, checked off. Uh, one of the points that President Barack Obama made that gets a lot of historical uh, look back and criticism from both sides of the aisle is when he thought we were in a post, uh, uh, post-racial world, post-politics. Now, now everyone's going to get along. That was great. I got that same sort of feeling when Jared Polis came out and said, now the oil and gas wars are over. It felt like he was just lighting the match on a whole new era of this. Natasha, do you think we're going to see even greater battles when it comes to oil and gas when the legislative session convenes in 2020? I think so. I mean, this is this is going to be a perennial topic in Colorado, I think, for the foreseeable future. I don't think anything was settled last year. There was some clarity, using a word I used earlier, um, provided on certain topics, but that wasn't it. I think the, the biggest thing for this session is, is going to be less about big topics and more about fine-tuning. Um, you know, hopefully it also means that people are going back to their constituents and saying, all right, we had a big agenda last year. Now, what do you need? What, what, what should I be bringing to the table? That Because that, that, they're all going to be looking at re-election at some point, too. But it, as they're doing that, I just I think that there's an opportunity to really um, make some improvements in what they what they were working for last year. It just it kind of seems like a house, right? Like last year they bought the house and now they have to buy the curtains and they have to get the fridge working and they, you know, have to put the garden in and things like that. So it's maybe not going to be as interesting, no, not as many big headlines, but a lot of um, just functional, this is how the system is going to work now. Patty, a big, uh, I guess, the, the, the wrench in the works of the Democrats is that they have an awful lot on the agenda that was passed, some things that still remain, but really no ability to automatically raise taxes with Tabor still sitting in the Constitution. We're going to see more beef about that. Well, that's the challenge. They may have the house, but how do they pay for the house? This is a big mortgage. So transportation is still such a sticky issue. Funding for education, we have a 25-year-old formula that definitely needs to be rejiggered somehow. But Colorado is still at the kindest paying 40, is 40th in funding of education. So we have to see what is going wrong there. That's going to be a big one. Oil and gas, there might be some things, but we are still waiting for the new rules from the Oil and Gas Commission. And those are pretty much scheduled to be done after the session's over. So they might be able to avoid that big problem this year. Joey, you're one of our experts at the Capitol covering the circus from beginning to end. What are you expecting? Well, you know, last session it was about laws, laws, laws. This session, this year, is going to be about rules, 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 and how they draft the rules that go with everything that they did last year. Now, the, the, the good money and the prevailing wisdom is that when you have an aggressive session like that, the next session in an election year they back off. But Democrats are emboldened, especially the left wing of the Democratic Party. I don't think they're going to back off. I think they're going to be more, more far-reaching ideas this session. It'll be a question about whether House Speaker Casey Becker, Governor Jared Polis, or, uh, or Senate President Leroy Garcia can keep a rein on those people that want to propose, you know, these far-reaching ideas that we may not even know about yet. You know, three out of the four leaders are from Boulder. So, you know, I, I look for this to be another aggressive session because they don't stand much chance of losing the House or Senate next election. You know, Republicans would have to pick up nine seats in the House. That's not going to happen. There's only four swing state swing seats in the Senate, and three of them are occupied by the Republicans. And the Democrat is Rachel Zinzinger, and Republicans can't find a quality candidate to run against her. Lang Sias, who was the Attorney General nominee for Walker Stapleton, he's turned it down.
So if anything, I look for Democrats to pick up seats in the Senate next year. And uh, so there's no there's no reason that they should should hold off. And I don't believe they will. That's why I say the word next year is going to be sea change. I hear you. Uh, let's get a quick take on this last one. 2020 is likely to bring us many unexpected issues, but there are some that we know are going to be heating up. Denver's expanding bike lane program, Tom Hanks filming a sequel of the Money Pit at Denver International Airport, and you never know what the Denver City Council is going to offer, uh, especially a few fireworks they offered in 2019. Uh, Natasha, your pick for the things that we think might be making some headlines next year. Well, I like this idea of Tom Hanks. Maybe he can just take over the project and do something <laughs> about it as well. I mean, obviously, DIA will be there. City Council, yes, will be bringing things. You know, there's already looking like the there'll be movement on the plastic um, bag ban or having a fee connected to that in this case. But the biggest question in the city is still going to be affordability. And all of those groups will have to deal with that, but particularly City Council. Patty, uh, I, I was inspired by your comments about DIA thinking that, you know, what is it? It's money there it's tom hanks it's, it's definitely a vehicle and he's already paid a, a played a pilot you got to believe he can pull this off well somebody's got to pull it off and maybe with his mr rogers role he'll be so nice and be able to do it i'm going with another movie trains planes and automobiles d rtd are you kidding what problems are they dealing with right now automobiles the traffic in denver and the fights over the bike lane space and how the buses are changing and planes dia which is celebrating its 25th anniversary in February, it's not going to be a very happy birthday. A, an important lesson of humility. I'm thinking I'm just clever as heck with Money Pit. And Patty wins the day with planes, trains, and automobiles. It was right there. Well, Very well done, Patty. Joey, what do you I, think? I think you both got the wrong movie. I think it's Forrest Gump because that seems to be who's running the show out at DIA. <laughs> but, you know, I think that what's going to happen in the next year is that nobody on the Denver City Council will look in the mirror and say this is overreach. <laughs> I like that. I like that phrasing. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you have another 80s or 90s movie uh, uh, warmed up or ready to go. If you do, great. If not, no pressure. I don't think I do. Uh, I, I'll suggest that there are two names that we're going to read a lot about and talk about quite frequently around this table. Candy C. DeBaca, Denver City Councilwoman. Tay Anderson, new Denver Public School Board member. Tay has made news even before his first official board meeting by announcing that he is not going to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, which is traditional at the beginning of the board meeting. I could care less. He can sit. He can stand on his head. He can lie down. I could care less. I question whether that is where he really wants to make his mark, where he wants to get his start, uh, and whether that is the people who took over the Denver School Board with him as one of their candidates, whether that's what, where they want to invest their political capital. Should be fun to watch. Well, we're not going to be so bold as to actually predict a say something nice and disgrace of the year of 2020. There's plenty of time to do that. So what we're going to do in this, uh, these kinds of shows, we go with a global prediction and then a local prediction. You can go as crazy as you want. So, Patty, your global prediction for 2020, go as far afield as you like. That when Donald Trump runs again for president, he will not have bring Mike Pence along with him. He will have another vice presidential candidate. Maybe he'll be wise enough to wait to see who the Democrats pick. Maybe he'll go with the Ukrainian president since they've been so close. Maybe that's the quid pro quo. <laughs> since it's not really in the Constitution, but it doesn't really matter because he's not paying attention to the Constitution anyway. So no matter what, it's going to be Trump and who? Trump and, and who, indeed. Joey, your global prediction for 2020. Uh, the quarter pounder will still be known as the Royale with cheese. <laughs> 
That is global. I like that. I like that. Eric, your, your, your global prediction for 2020. Uh, to Patty's point, um, Vice President Nikki Haley could happen. Uh, we will see. The Irishman, the uh, Scorsese movie, wins the Best Picture Oscar, becomes the fourth longest movie ever to win that at three and a half hours. The three longer being Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia, and Ben-Hur by only a minute or two. There you go. You, know, you didn't have a title for, to go with the other topic, but that kind of, that's good movie trivia. Well done, Eric. Natasha, your global prediction for 2020. I didn't know it was the movie episode. I apparently <laughs> should have been better prepared on all of that. And I'm going to go a little more serious. I think that the census will be the most important but most underreported story in 2020. Now it's time to go local, as local as you feel like. Your, your household to Denver to Colorado, wherever you like. Your local prediction 2020. Well, it's been such a beautiful season for the Denver Broncos. Big win after win after win. I think we will see some major shakeups in management and operating owners of the Broncos this year. Joey, your, uh, your local prediction. Uh, city of Denver will be greener and meaner. Greener and meaner. With uh, maybe another an extra bike lane here or there, maybe doing both? Well, no, just uh, accusing each other of all kinds of terrible things. I get you. Eric, your local prediction of 2020. A parade through downtown Denver in early June featuring the Stanley Cup. Oh, I like that. It's a fellow Avalanche man. That'd be good. Uh, somewhere uh, Patrick is uh, smiling with that one. <laughs> Natasha, your local prediction. It would be nice to have another parade in downtown. I think we could all enjoy that. Um, I will predict that there's going to be more bipartisan work at the Capitol this year. I know that's risky. I know it's risky. But I do have a hope that as people look at the state of Colorado and what, what the voters want, that they will take an, and make an effort to pull in um, people from across the aisle. I remain uh, your optimism's biggest fan, and I love that I'm no longer the crazy, naive optimist on this panel. So uh, w well done, Natasha. Uh, and it's not a prediction on either side, but I want to make a special point uh, for uh, this particular episode. It's, uh, it's point for me that we have our friend uh, Joey Bunch here, because last year, right after we taped a couple of our uh, holiday shows, uh, he did not do so well. Uh, what turned out to be going to the hospital because he felt sick, turned into a heart attack. We almost lost one of our very favorite people. Joey, I'm so glad that we are here a year later uh, and to be able to talk about that in the rearview mirror. You look fantastic. I hope you feel fantastic. And uh, all of us here and all of our viewers are better for the fact that we have uh, Joey Bunch with us. So I'm just, I just want to make a special point of that. It's, it makes a, a, it's a big deal for us to have you here for these shows. Thank you. Uh, the, tonight, uh, thank you very much for all of you for tuning into all the crazy fun we get to have week after week around here. And 2020 is bound to be an even more enjoyable circus. We hope you enjoyed our glimpse into the crystal ball for 2020. And we're just, uh, again, grateful for the lasting support of our viewers. And we hope to see you throughout 2020 for another year of fun. You're going to see expanded episodes of our traditional debate series with uh, CBS4 of uh, Colorado Sides. You're going to see a whole new season, an expanded tournament with both sides of the story. We're going to have new local content, both with our music program, Sounds of 29th, and our street-level series uh, going into the season. Uh, all of that to growth and content made possible by you. Here's to a great 2020 made possible by all of you. We're grateful to be a part of it. For everybody here at CPT 12 and Colorado Inside Out, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Mm -hmm.